a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. And joining us once again this week, second week in a row, is Heritage Foundation Senior Media Analyst, Kristen Eikammer. Kristen, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I must have done something right last time. (laughs) (laughs) I guess guess we'll let you back on the show. Oh, and Lauren, it's so good to have you back in studio, too. This is the first time in a long time we've had us all together here in studio. I know you've been down... From Florida for a month, believe it or not. Wow. So uh, yeah, I have some uh, some sad news. I was down in Florida with my family. My grandmother passed away, but mm. it was oh. it was a really hard week. And um, I know this season, a lot of people um, have recently lost people, or or it also just brings up memories of people mm-hmm. that you've lost, and it always makes it a little harder. So. Um, it it was it was hard and and uh, but the bright side was that we got to be with my grandmother as she she passed away and um i think she knew that we were there and we we cared for her and and she lived a long wonderful life and i have no doubt in my mind that she's with the lord right now looking down at us smiling while we're recording this podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so it was it was hard to be away from heritage hard to be kind of watch that happen but yeah. i was really happy to be with my family my Almost three old niece was there, and she Aww. was just a bright spot, and just so she, she had one point she go, "Mom, have boo boo," and we're like, "Yeah." Aww. So, uh, so yeah, so it was, uh, it was, but really grateful for my heritage family, my problematic woman family checking in, and uh, happy to be back. Yeah, no, we're really glad you're back, and I know that that went the world to your grandmother mm-hmm. and your whole family. The fact that you were there and present with them, I think. Like that, at the end of the day, like that's, I think, what we all hope and pray for that mm-hmm. we'll have at the end of our life is mm-hmm. to be on our deathbed surrounded by family. Um, so that's huge that you could be there for her, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. Yeah, it's like it's Christmas. And it's so exciting that it's the Christmas season. Like at the end of the day, Christmas is about, number one, the Lord and celebrating his birth. And with that comes such a celebration of family and the gift mm-hmm. of family and what we have. And um, so it's a good memory, kind of a good check-in. Mm-hmm this point of the year but lauren we have a full show yes so go ahead let us know what we have queued up up on today's problematic women tiktok may be on its way out of america a trio of bipartisan lawmakers have introduced a bill to ban the app we explain why plus biden signed the so-called respect for marriage act this week surrounded by none other than drag queens also on today's show american girl has gone woke and is trying to take the next generation with them And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. Those whose views and opinions are so often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. lawmakers introduced legislation this week to ban TikTok nationwide. Wisconsin Republican Representative Mike Gallagher, Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio, and Illinois Democrat Representative Raja Krishnamoorthy. These are lawmakers that are all seeking to ban TikTok from America. They say that TikTok is a danger to America. Gallagher called TikTok a digital fentanyl earlier this week. He said the platform is addicting Americans, collecting troves of their data, 
and censoring their news. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which ultimately reports to the Chinese Communist Party. Reviews said that they are working to ban the app because it's, quote, collecting data on tens of millions of American children and adults every day. And the data this app is collecting is the data that the Chinese Communist Party is believed to have access to. So already uh, seven Republican governors, they have banned TikTok on state-owned devices. So if you live in South Dakota, South Carolina, Maryland, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Utah, or Alabama, and you work for the government and have a government-issued cell phone, you can't be making TikTok dance videos on that phone and posting them to the app. So I think this is really fascinating, though, when we actually think about would America totally ban an app like TikTok? What do you all think about this? When you think of China, they have banned tons of apps. Google, for example, is illegal in China. Would it be government overreach for America to ban TikTok? Yeah, no. Um, well, first of all, I think that it's it's difficult to define banning an app because in this case, I see TikTok and I'm kind of looking at it as more spyware. You know, mm-hmm. China is infamous for stealing, you know, intellectual property, biometric data, and and just all of the personal information that uh, Americans and, and even our young children are putting on this app. So for me, it's less about is the federal government banning an app or are they stepping in and acknowledging that there's a national security threat present here and that something needs to be done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy perspective because we have to look at what we're actually dealing with. This isn't this isn't about the videos. It's not about funny videos of cats dancing or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's actually about what ultimately is going on on the back end of this app and how is our data being used. Well, it's so funny. Our grandparents' generation was like, you need to go to war. You need to fight the Germans. <laughs> you know, you need to save the planet. And they're like, all you need to do to help us is just delete this app off your phone. <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh my God, no, my dance videos. When literally Instagram has the same thing. YouTube literally. has the same thing. <laughs> it's it's just... like within a week or two, you can find the same like cooking video, step-by-step guide, whatever, on Instagram. Oh my gosh, yes. And I very publicly... Quit TikTok. Ooh. <laughs> as publicly as I could. Like a statement or something? <laughs> oh, yeah, on problematic women. It was right. splashed on headlines yeah. like, all uh, over the country. <laughs> Lauren Evans is off so, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> it's actually probably what started this whole thing. I, I oh. think so. I think yeah. so. It got the ball rolling for no, sure. I did get some emails after talking about it on oh, problematic women. That's awesome. So, the, people, the people recognize Virginia. Yes, they know. Um, <laughs> Lauren Evans fan club. So, it, and it was hard because I, 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 I do agree you do find trends a little sooner on TikTok than you do on Instagram. But I do think that gap is closing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really scary when you think about the way that these algorithms work. If you watch a video for three seconds rather than two seconds, the app notes that. And they make, like, who you are as a person. And if you talk to people about, like, what they see on their Instagram stories or on their um, TikTok feeds... It's very different person to person. And I have, like, there was that one song, on my first day, or no, on my worst day, I'm a child of God, on, you know? Sing. Every day. I love it. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm deep, but, right but do, you, do you know that song? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted you to keep singing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the first time anybody's ever told me that, Virginia. Um, <laughs> but... 
I was like, it was stuck in my head all the time. And I asked somebody, one of my colleagues here who was on Instagram Reels as mm-hmm. much as I am because he, he's in my department with me. And he's like, I've never heard that. <laughs> like, <laughs> how? And he's like a Christian man. But like the algorithm doesn't target him for that song that because song. he watches like videos of guys you know driving cars off cliffs and boy stuff but <laughs> whatever boys watch yeah, on they, eat hot, they eat hot dogs and, <laughs> and watch cars crash that's what i said but, <laughs> but it, it's just funny that like literally every other instagram reel of mine was that but they mm-hmm. just knew that i liked that song and i was happy to watch it over and over and over mm-hmm. again and it's kind of funny information as we talk about it here now, but when you think about what the Chinese government knows is what interests we have, what religions we have, how we're feeling. Are we watching lots of sad videos? Are we watching lots of happy videos? Parents, how are they raising their children? Yeah. There's so much data in here that they can be collecting and, and use that to weaponize against America. Yeah, I, I think that this is more than justified, and I'm happy that people are actually standing up and, and doing something. Yeah. Well, and oh, Kristen, you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No. no, no, no. The only good. thing I wanted to add um, is that I think what also is terrifying is the fact that they have such a different version of TikTok in China, and mm. it's limited time wise, and it's all educational videos. Which, I mean, most of my um, I don't use TikTok anymore, but at least uh, if we're talking about algorithms here, it's a lot of cooking and a lot of CrossFit. So like I'm in that cult. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I mean, educational quote unquote in that aspect, but not necessarily educational in the same way as them. And and I just think that that's kind of scary too. That there's two different versions. Like again, we're looking at two different apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It is scary. Well, and speaking of alternatives, obviously we have Instagram and everyone is kind of doing a TikTok Mm -hmm. thing now, including Amazon. So Amazon has actually just announced um, like a a shop and scroll function that allows you to like see products in like little video form and then you can purchase them right from that video form, which is very fascinating. So I I think if we see TikTok booted from America, we're only going to see just a more competitive market of more options being introduced and more companies being like, oh, well, we can we can find a way to have short videos be a thing. Um, but, I mean, that brings us to the question of would this actually happen? We have lawmakers, both Democrat and Republican, that are advocating for it. Could we actually see TikTok banned from America? Is this practical? I, I- left you all speech. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we could. And I, I do think that it's kind of too late already that people are going to really put up a big stink about mm-hmm. it. And if we know anything that our lawmakers don't have a backbone. So I'm a little nervous about kind of how this is going to go. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, Virginia, Amazon has one. YouTube has something similar, YouTube Shorts, which I can speak uh, as my role here in the Digital Productions Department at the Heritage Foundation, our YouTube Shorts views this year have skyrocketed. Yeah. We have twice as many. we're so good at what we do. I mean, <laughs> not to brag or anything. But, but I mean, like, we're, we're getting twice as many views on YouTube this year just because of the way that people are viewing shorts. And wow. they're viewing more kind of higher quantity of video as they're on the shorts feed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people even talk much about YouTube shorts. Yeah. Right? It's just a, mm-hmm. kind of one of those holes that you fall into. Facebook, I know I'll open up the app and I don't even know how I get on the stories that I'm scrolling yeah. through. So there, are all, there is this content out there. I just think it's going to be a shift in people don't want to give up what is familiar to them. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be both, I think, the government's role, but also us as consumers 
to talk to our friends about why it's such a big deal and why you need to make this switch. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the the first internet browser, right? Like how many of us are still using what was it, Explorer, the little E? <laughs> yeah, internet that Explorer. was I think, the first one I started using. <laughs> yeah, please. no, I mean I was using that all the time before, yeah. and then Chrome oh. came out, and I was like, oh, this is significantly better. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing, like with any startup or new technology, you have the first version, but there's not that doesn't necessarily mean that's the most successful or the final version and you know if we're looking at the national security impacts of mm-hmm. this app we're not necessarily saying we're banning you know a video app we're just saying we're banning a CCP owned mm-hmm. or tied yeah. video app so i think it's kind of similar to that like we live in a free market society and the most competitive best delivering product is going to win at the end of the day and i'm sorry but american families and uh, Americans in general don't want the Chinese Communist Party to be collecting our data and sending us information and manipulating the way we think. And if they didn't think that that was going to work as a marketing tool, like, too bad. Yeah. Well, and I will say, too, there hasn't been a lack of trying to give TikTok an opportunity to break from ByteDance and to be totally separated from the Chinese Communist Party. There's been talks of that conversations. But the needle really hasn't moved on that in any sort of significant way. So I think, you know, lawmakers are getting frustrated. It's like, okay, if if they're not going to take action and fix the problem, then we will. Um, but speaking of, of news, things Wait, happening. Virginia. Oh. Before we end the segment. Oh. I worked with our producer, John Pop. Best day, your worst day, so Tuesday or your birthday. Every day's a good day. Now let me tell you why. You got air in your love. You got blood in your body. You are a child of God. saying it better lauren evans or tiktok uh definitely tiktok <laughs> no we need to we need to put the wow. let, let the people vote Live you know? let the people speak let the people speak <laughs> but that is kane the band i'm so blessed and that literally for like a whole week came up and i listen to it every time i love it that was, so great outfits yeah i mean it's beautiful harmony hmm. all right well up next uh <laughs> We're going to be talking about drag queens at the White House. Hmm. Not but, so blessed. Yeah. <laughs> if you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and you want to find other like-minded podcasts, then look no further than She Thinks. She Thinks is a podcast production of the Independent Women's Forum. And every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, host Beverly Hallberg is joined by policymakers and thought leaders to cut through the spin and bring you the facts on the issues that matter most. From the economy and education to foreign policy and everything in between she thinks has you covered and if you can't wait for that next episode to drop you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org or you can search for she thinks podcast in your favorite podcast app president joe biden signed the so-called respect for marriage act or also as we call it the disrespect for marriage act on tuesday so now it is officially law biden signed the bill at the white house and was surrounded by lgbtq activists lawmakers and of course drag queens Mm. we'll talk about that in just a moment but to give a quick recap the respect for marriage act quote, provides statutory authority for same-sex and interracial marriages and repeals provisions that define marriage as between a man and a woman. So that was the 
Defense of Marriage Act. Mm-hmm. The act puts religious organizations at a huge risk of facing lawsuits if they won't get on board with the idea of same-sex marriage. Like a Christian adoption agency that won't place children with a gay couple now under the new law could face major lawsuits. So you guys already know the Supreme Court already issued a ruling in Obergefell versus Hodges to legalize same-sex marriage. So why do you think the LGBTQ activists went ahead and pushed this law through when, in theory, it wasn't needed because we already had the Supreme Court case. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is what we have seen and what a lot of people warned about, that once same-sex marriage was legalized, that we were going to keep moving further and further and further down this path and that activists wouldn't stop pushing the envelope. And so that's what we've seen here, that even when Senator Mike Lee, for example, he introduced provisions into this bill that said, "Okay, we're going to add language that will specifically protect religious organizations um, and prevent them from facing these types of lawsuits if they hold to a traditional view of marriage. That was rejected. And I think that, you know, we're just seeing uh, this really radical agenda that's essentially intolerance Mm -hmm. for anyone who holds to a traditional view. And it's not going to stop until essentially there's there's no one left who's willing to stand up and say, no, marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very true. It is um, law by design to ensure that anyone that disagrees is is silence basically and um the first thing that kind of popped in my mind when you were saying um that this would open up the um these organizations to lawsuits is you know we have these individuals that feel suppressed and feel like they're owed something what's going to stop them from saying no i i tried to get something from this organization and they said you know it's because i'm this way and just it's it's a way to pressure people and use scare tactics and i it just yeah, forcing people to conform to their side rather than living as equals and with our own ideas and beliefs. Yeah, you can go down the list of the First Liberty and the ADF, the Alliance for Defending Freedom clients of, I think, of Baronel Stutzman, who was the florist out in Washington State, who she was kind of the first major case where she had a gay customer, served that gay customer well, but said she wouldn't make flowers for his wedding, and she lost everything. She lost her business. She lost a lot of her own personal savings. And then you look to Jack Phillips, which that case made its way to the Supreme Court, which he won, but it was a very narrow ruling that basically said Colorado came after him in a personal way. They shouldn't have. So he he was in the right, but it didn't really apply that ruling broadly across the country. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing the 303 creative case mm-hmm. in Colorado, um, and that is a, could be a much more broader ruling. So I think they're seeing these cases come through and, and the Supreme Court correctly ruling on these cases, and they're trying to kind of hedge their bets a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you both of you girls are correct. The idea is the Overton window. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. And, and what that is is kind of the views that you can hold in a society, right? So back in Virginia, I think you're you're about to get to this, 10, 20 years ago, being against gay marriage was in the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And if you were for it, you were kind of out on the fringes. But now that Overton window has moved so far over to the left that now if you support 
traditional marriage, you're kind of over on this right fringe. And what the left is trying to do with this bill is continue to push the Overton window more and more towards kind of not even marriage anymore, but these trans issues, Mm -hmm. these children trans issues, and really kind of being accepting of anything sexually. And and it's disingenuous, and it's really sad that we saw so many Republicans sign on to this bill, mm-hmm. where I think Republicans do this over and over again. They have, you know, maybe they do believe in gay marriage, and they do have friends who are, are gay, and they want to see them get married, but they fall for the trap of the left using them as a tool to kind of push for things that they don't even want. And it's disappointing. And the fact that this bill passed with 12 votes in the Senate still blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. And 39 Republicans in the mm-hmm. House voted for it. Yeah. Oh. But, Lauren, you're right. So we've seen this contrast in language. So I, I want to play um, just a clip of what Biden had to say at the White House on Tuesday when he was signing this bill. And then we're going to listen to something he said quite a few years earlier. But let's go ahead and play the audio uh, from Tuesday. Racism. Anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all its forms. And that's why this law matters to every single American, no matter who you are or who you love. Okay, so that was Tuesday at the White House. Biden says this law is striking a blow against hate. Well, let's rewind back to 2006. Can you do that again, Virginia? That was a good sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) When uh, Biden joined Meet the Press, and he talked about the defense of Marriage Act, and he said marriage is between one man and one woman. Let's roll it. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Biden has changed his tune just a little bit, a little bit over the years. I think it's very telling of how successful the pro-LGBTQ messaging has been. Yeah, no, I mean, first of all, can we just take a second to to look at his face then? Yeah. <laughs> now. It was just the tone of his voice. He was, like, so much more Yeah, there. fighting against yeah. hate, right? Yeah. Like, that really does something to you. Um, Racism. <laughs> bigotry. <laughs> anti-Semitism. Like, just like, all those just big words. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, I... Yes, they're very good at messaging. And it is so easy to influence someone when you say that all of these things that this bill apparently stands for is taking a stand against hate and that it is just love. But what I find very, very interesting, and I get very heated about this, because um, is because um, basically what the left has done is they keep pushing the finish line, kind of like you were saying with the Overton window. Um, They keep pushing the finish line and keep redefining what equality really Mm -hmm. looks like, whereas people that are rooted... into on the other side on the right we're seeing you know they're kind of standing by the same principles um genesis in genesis uh, uh chapter two they literally have written and this i mean the bible is how many years old um <laughs> like that marriage is between a man and a woman the man leaves his family to become one flesh with the woman mm-hmm. and we have stood by that or a lot of conservatives have stood by that and so it's it's interesting and difficult to wrap my head around how you can't stand behind one argument for, you know, I mean, how long was his career? It was only 30-something years, but then we have a book that has withstand, withstood Oh, no, Joe Biden's time. career has been, like, 
a long time. I mean, time. it's been a long time. Yeah. He was like 30 or He was like, you have to be 30 to be a senator. And he was like, just barely that. And now he's, you know, I just like, still don't understand. He's old, but he's not as old as the Bible. Yeah, exactly. He's not as old as the Bible. That's okay. the point. Okay. Biden and the Bible. I'll give you that. Bible wins. So it's just, it's frustrating to see them constantly changing their argument. Meanwhile, the people that are actually defending marriage have stood by the same one verse mm. for, for all of time. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's so disingenuous, too, that they try to throw the interracial marriage issue Mm -hmm. in there. Like, anybody's actually against interracial marriage, especially you look at Clarence Thomas, you know, probably the biggest boogeyman to them. Yeah. (laughs) He's married to a white woman. woman And has been for a long time. (laughs) Who has my name, I'll mention. (laughs) True. But she goes by Ginny, and you go by Virginia. Our birth certificates say the same first name. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's just they, they, they tried to do all these things, and I think that's what you're getting to, Kristen, of like making it so politically uncomfortable to stand for something that has been there and been true for 2,000 years and saying that, oh, you believe in the Bible? Wow, not only are you homophobic, you're transphobic, you're racist, you're an anti-Semite, and it's just like, no, <laughs> like, literally. I'm just uh, holding to truth. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as mm. Taylor Swift would say, you need to calm down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Taylor Swift would also really like this book. <laughs> yeah. She's Ooh. probably come out publicly in support of it, honestly. No. Yeah. Well, and if it doesn't even end there in the amount of craziness, like, okay, whatever, they can sign the bill, they can make the White House rainbow, have Sam Smith and Pink and whatever play. But I think this next part is what really shows where they're going with the bill. And drag queens were actually present at the signing. Charlie Kirk, president of Turning Point USA, wrote on Twitter, Joe Biden has invited a drag queen who dances for children to the White House to participate in the bill signing for the Respect for Marriage Act. This isn't respect for marriage. It's a slap in the face. And that's exactly what it's intended to be. So, you guys, why do you think... And I, this is like a huge setup question, but why do you think that the Biden administration didn't just kind of stay at the the issue of, of marriage and same-sex couples, but then kind of added this transgender drag queen element, even knowing how much of a third rail it is to parents um, and families all across the United States? You know, I'll, I'll even maybe defend um the White House in an interesting way on this and say that I feel like the wool has been pulled over their eyes um, because my guess is that Joe Biden and most of the people that work at the White House in the administration are not fans of drag queens dancing sexually in front of five-year-olds. They would probably feel uncomfortable if their child was exposed to that. But uh, it's this, like we've been talking about, it's this external pressure um, and I'm sure you know someone had the idea. This is great. We'll invite drag queens, but it's it's very much so foreshadowing to where this is headed. That the envelope will keep getting pushed, um, and what we're seeing is these drag queen story hours with kids, um, more and more kids being exposed to very very hypersexual content, and that's a really really dark rabbit hole for our country to go down. Uh, And I would love to say that we're going to course correct sooner rather than later. But, you know, I I always, when I think of these things, I think of Rome and I think of how far Rome went. 
as a culture and how sexualized it became and how tragically kids were wrapped up in that. Mm. Um, and if we don't course correct, that's essentially the path that we're on. And right now, the White House, whether knowingly or unknowingly, uh, move the needle forward on that. Yeah, I, I think, like you're saying, they continue to push the envelope, and it's going to be to our country's demise if we don't have someone intervene. I hate to say it, but I, I do find some solace, kind of like Virginia, finding the kind of brighter note, but mine's t- in a totally different direction of us at Heritage really took a hard line against this bill. We saw what was coming, and we did everything we could to stop it. And I know our listeners did. They they called their senator's office. They posted about it. They talked to their friends and family. So when you see something like this pass, and then you see the signing, and then you see what is happening in front of your eyes of, like, we we, we told you this was going to happen. You saw these 12 Republican senators vote for the bill saying like oh we want we we just want equality and then you see the way that the white house runs with this and has drag performers and you kind of want to scream but they are putting their cards on the table so mm-hmm. we just need to keep calling a spade a spade when we see it and keep pushing back even when like in this fight you know conservatives weren't able to stop this bill but it's important for us to keep educating people and keep hitting the same beat of like, no, we need to stop it. We need to get back to common sense, kind of the traditional beliefs here, because that's what's best for families. That's what's best for children. And I believe, Virginia, we're not going to go as far as Rome. I do believe that there will be a reckoning here in America where we'll all kind of wake up and be like, wow, can you can you remember when we used to push our little girls to be little boys? And, yeah. and so it's just important. And, and so don't lose hope. Just know that at the end of the day, this is the right side. This is where the morality is, and be proud. Yeah, keep standing for the truth. Well, the White House, unfortunately, they are not the only ones who are pushing this very pro-LGBTQ agenda. There's also a beloved doll company that is doing so. I know some of you have seen this in the news. American Girl is telling little girls that they might be transgender if they're struggling with their body image. (laughs) So in addition to selling dolls, American Girl, they also write books. And one of the company's recent books is about body image. And it addresses struggles that girls are inevitably going to face at some point in their life around struggles with with their body. This is a 96-page book, and there's a section in the book titled Gender Joy. So let me just read you some of what this section says. It says, being transgender is not an illness or something to be ashamed of. If you're questioning your gender identity or if you already know for sure that you're trans or non-binary, talk with an adult you trust, like a parent or school counselor. And it goes on on the page to say, if you haven't gone through puberty yet, the doctor might offer you medicine to delay your body's changes, giving you more time to think about your gender identity. It's talking about puberty blockers. And also says, if you don't have an adult that you trust, there are organizations across the country that can help you. So um, Amazon recommends this book for kids between uh, fourth and sixth grade. Why do you all think American Girl is writing about transgenderism to kids who haven't even gone through puberty yet? 
Yeah. Um, when I saw like saw your story in the Daily Signal, my heart was like, "Are you joking?" Because I had, I, I'm sure you saw it too. Yeah. There was a different version of that book when I was growing up, and I guess my first thought here is the company's name is American Girl. Like it has been, <laughs> it has been built up on this idea of showing young girls these really powerful stories of other young girls, um, and and I just don't understand what this you know identity crisis they're having, where they think this is going. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it also is really disheartening that they're targeting dolls, something that usually is of interest by young girls and. I mean, I think we've kind of seen with the the RIFMA stuff, it's it's just a forced acceptance of these ideas, and it's forcing it on really young, vulnerable children and honestly stealing their innocence. I mean, we all remember, I feel like it's almost a defining moment of our generation, the book, The Carrying and Keeping of You. Yeah, I'm sure we all read book. that. Yeah, <laughs> I had that one. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it well, was... and they do still sell that book, but I guess this is sort of like a revamp. Wow. Does it have like a warning, like this might not be politically correct? <laughs> Well, because we all know women's bodies have changed between, you know, 2003 <laughs> yeah. and 2022. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it was kind of a defining moment because, like, those books were very graphic. But, I, yeah. you know, in a way that I think for for girls kind of going through puberty, it's like, okay, my body's not that weird at the yeah. end of the day. It's it, like, like, told you you had to wear deodorant. Yeah, so. it really did. It yeah. was like, you're going to grow hair in weird places. And, you know, it was it was definitely uncomfortable to read. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, cool. I'm not I'm not weird. Yeah, I'm not, not just in this alone. So if a little girl feels like this, right, she, she is growing hair and is having different smells. And she reads this book and she's like, I'm uncomfortable. So I must, if I'm uncomfortable, I must be in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. That's such a lie. And that's what we're seeing time and time again with these girls who are being really pushed in this this gender war where it's like, oh, well, if you don't, you know, you don't feel comfortable as a girl, then you must be a boy and let's get you a, a double mastectomy and give you drugs where you can't have children anymore. And then they're 21 years old and they're decided like, wow, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm a girl. They lose all this support because as soon as you tell these people are trying to get you to transition that you're not, they drop you like like you're hot. And then <laughs> they then you're left with irreversible damage. Yeah. Shout out to um, Abigail Schreier's book. <laughs> but uh, the fact that a company like American Girl, I think it just shows how it doesn't surprise me because. A They're company that sells, Mattel. yeah, a company mm-hmm. that sells hundred dollar dolls. I'm sure is like all about the. Well, the, but they were doing that way back in you know 90s, mm-hmm. and they was just like all about American history. I learned a so bunch great. of American history from American Girl. You would no, it was I. So I grew up in Chicago, and <laughs> back I me remember, up, no, me yeah, up. I, I remember I would every Christmas. So around this time, we would go into the city. It was such a big thing, Aww. and we would they had cases with the American Girl dolls mm-hmm. and all of their outfits and all of the historical items that came with them and it was really interesting and it got me really into history which then led to politics so i would say american girl did shape me and and lead to the person that i am today i have four at my house um and i think that's what's so disheartening about this book is specifically 
they are they're targeting vulnerable girls and they're not even driving them to their parents they're saying an adult you trust that mm-hmm. could mean mm-hmm. anything so they're also kind of attacking the nuclear family which totally. all of not those, kind of they are I mean, yeah they are <laughs> <laughs> they are attacking the nuclear family and like it's so contradicting to all of the american girls that girl doll stories that that they prom- have promoted since For the 1990s years. totally totally well i i think in reading um the last paragraph kind of in this section i found the most concerning because it tells young people that if they are transgender or non binary loving your body might feel a bit different than it does for a cisgender person parts of your body might make you feel uncomfortable and you might want to change the way you look that's totally okay the book says you can appreciate your body for everything it allows you to experience and still want to change certain things about it which i just mind blown when i read this because i'm like okay what you know what 10 11 12 year old doesn't have parts of their body that they're like i wish my nose was smaller Mm. or i wish i was taller or whatever probably still for most women today we have things as adults that we're like i would like to change this please um so you're telling kids if you have something you don't like it's it's fine it's probably you're just transgender what the heck no i mean when I go through, you know, midlife crises or whatever, um, I, I the, how, how many have you been through, Chris? Says the twenty-four-year-old. I just cut my bangs, and I freak out after that. I, I will say today at lunch, she was like, "We should go to this place where they serve drinks in bathtubs." And I'm like, "Do you know I'm thirty-two years old?" It's a great time, and they're delicious. Get on the DC seat. Um, no, but I. I mean, like, I remember growing up, you know, I, I got bangs. I went through that phase where everyone was getting bangs. And I was like, what have I done? Like, this is not what I want to be. And I just what they're pushing is so much more permanent. And mm-hmm. it is so confusing already as these young girls are finding that they, they're attracted to other guys. And I just I, it's such a vulnerable time. And it just is so disappointing that. American Girl is going in this direction. Yeah, it really is. Well, and it is encouraging, though, I will say, to see that there are people in the midst of this craziness as this transgender agenda is being literally shoved down our throats. Mm -hmm. There are individuals who are standing up and who are fighting and protecting kids. And we're going to talk about one of those people in just a moment after this. For over 35 years, the Heritage Foundation Job Bank has been helping conservatives at all professional levels find employment in key positions in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We can help connect you with positions in the administration, on Capitol Hill, in public policy organizations, and in the private sector. To learn more about the Heritage Foundation Job Bank, go to heritage.org slash job bank. Now it is that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. The crown goes to Vivian Garafi. Vivian is an Ohio middle school teacher who lost her job because she refused to call two students by names and pronouns other than their biological names and pronouns. 
On Monday, she filed a lawsuit against her school saying her freedom of speech was violated. So in August, Vivian's school told her that she had two students who were being socially transitioned and she had to use new names and pronouns for them. Vivian met with her principal hoping to find some sort of solution because she said because of her her religious convictions, um, she wasn't comfortable using the new names and the new pronouns. And the teacher was told uh, that she had to do this. She had to call these students by new names, by new pronouns, or that she was going to lose her job. And she lost her job. Now, Alliance Defending Freedom, they are representing her in this lawsuit. And I, I was thinking, this is, gosh, it feels like this is on repeat, this story several mm-hmm. times that we have seen. Um, Lauren, I know you helped produce a, a documentary here at the Daily Signal on this very issue with um, a French teacher who lost his job here in Virginia who um, wouldn't use the preferred pronouns. Who accidentally used the wrong pronouns. Accidentally. The student was about to run into a wall, was wearing VR goggles, was about to run into a wall, and he said, you know, don't let her hit the wall. And then he was fired. Yeah, Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So I was like, wow, you know, in some ways our teachers are kind of the last line of defense on this, that when you have parents who have gotten caught up in all of this and aren't standing up for their kids, then it's teachers that are the ones who are are trying to be the voices of truth and reason. And it's like, wow, first off, that's not what these individuals signed up for. Um, but I'm so impressed by teachers like Vivian who are literally willing to put their entire careers on the line. She knows she might never be able to teach again. Mm. Um, but she's willing to put her career on the line because she's saying, I'm, I'm not going to lie to a young person um, just because they're going through something hard. So congratulations to Vivian for being our Problematic Woman of the Week. And Kristen, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, Merry Christmas, right? Merry like- Christmas, <laughs> yeah. Well, and a quick, quick announcement before we go. So we announced last week on the show that if you leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, snap a screenshot of that rating or review um, and send it to me on the Problematic Women Instagram account. DM me with it, with your address. I'm going to put a Problematic Women Tumblr in the mail to you. Wow. Because it's Christmas time and we want to give you a Christmas present. Virginia Claus. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So do it. Do it. Leave a review. And we only have a limited number of tumblers, so don't. This is actually true. Yeah. Don't spend a lot of time. Don't wait. Wow. (laughs) Wild supplies (laughs) then. Don't forget, send your rating and your address to the Problematic Women Instagram. You'll get a cool Tumblr. But with that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. And next Thursday will be our last show of the year. We're going to have some fun and talk about some of the most problematic parts of 2022. So be sure to tune in then. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you right back here next Thursday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.